Hello and welcome back to the London Tech Insider Podcast. This week I speak to John Gould. He has 14 years of experience as a tech recruiter and in this time he has developed quite a unique approach to his job in a number of ways. For example, he is deeply embedded in the Python and Django community in the UK, playing an important role in organising a popular London Django meetup group. Another unique approach John takes to recruitment is in the company he founded, which only hires for roles in the niche areas of Django and Python, rather than hiring more widely like other agencies do. We explore all of this and more in depth, so here is the episode, please enjoy. So could you describe your background a little bit um, and how you got into recruiting? Um, yeah, so I... I always struggled with um, like school and with um, like the education setting. I, I'm dyslexic, but I never realised until after I'd finished school um, that I, that was why I, I couldn't. Con- I, it was it was a, a struggle for me. Um, so I went into work trying to harness as many skills as I could. I worked in um, like customer service roles and like um, hospitality roles. Yeah. So a lot of what was ingrained in me as a young adult going into the world of work at sort of 17, 18 was customer service about um, helping and making sure that people were, um, you know, getting, if they're coming to you for advice, you're giving the right advice. If they needed some help, you were going beyond your, um, your way to help them out. Um, yeah. And through that, I was working in retail banks and that was in the, the times of like where you'd go to your bank t- to, to take out a loan or a credit card or you'd go formally sit down rather than clicking on an application online. So my my career moved from customer service into sales mm. um, and at that point it was like actually I enjoy the helping people and I like the competitive nature of being on a leaderboard in, in my environment um, and somebody I spoke to worked in recruitment and they're like you'd be really good at it. So I shopped around um, and joined a startup in early 2008. Yeah. Um, so the depths of the financial crisis. As well. it, yeah, it was around then. Yeah, it's and I, you know, I was leaving a bank to go and join a recruitment startup with no knowledge or experience. I mean, just taking my first mortgage and sort of having a bit of a, bit of a gamble on life, um, <laughs> but. I'm so glad I did because actually through the guys I worked for, they were super experienced and they taught me how the processes work, about how you you create um, a business for yourself. Yeah. Um, and it's, which is essentially when you, in recruitment you talk about working a desk. So my desk was to recruit software engineers for contract jobs across the south of England. Um, or across the Thames Valley and because it was a startup it just became the whole south of England mm. um, and but what I liked was I was helping people with the, the, like the service aspect of what I was doing but also I was in a position where actually I could earn a bit more money than I was used to from working in a retail bank yeah. um, and at that point that was important my son was born a year later and those drivers of you know, providing for your family kicked in and actually it was really the right time the right place for me yeah 
and it's quite interesting like uh, especially these days people are promoting like neurodiversity so mm. and, like recognizing the strengths of uh, something like dyslexia like what what do you are you what exactly are those strengths for me I solve problems I see things differently um, I my weaknesses are is around sort of writing uh, typing and it, or you've got autocorrect and those sort of things that really help but in school to copy off a board yeah. into a textbook would take me four or five times as long as every other student so I'd always be sitting back or doing extra you know extra hours and um, I mean talking a long time ago anyway mm-hmm. but my it was a, a, the ability to see a problem and solve it in a different yeah. way yeah. Um, and recruitment is essentially solving problems yeah. um, and you know a problem hire or a problem um, shortage of a good candidate where do you go find them and that's where I suppose thinking differently helped me come up with the different ways in which I worked at the time which is now pretty much the fundamentals of what I do right and so could you like, give an example of some of those so strategies I but then maybe yeah. giving away the secrets I don't know I don't, I don't mind I've, I've, okay. you know, I've, I've in my career in recruitment I have trained and taught and worked with training recruiters and told the not the story about how I've worked but showing the bits and pieces that I'm good at and I think it's really important for somebody who's learning uh, an industry or a sector to know the basics and then find their own way to, to get the results um, mm. I was given that freedom um, essentially in uh, the recruitment world if you've got a, a job that you need to find somebody for you have at that point 2008-9 the tools were job boards or a database mm. Um, where you'd log on to a job site or a monster or something and search for CVs with the words in it that you were looking for. Um, that was what was available. LinkedIn hadn't really taken off. Um, likewise, all the other bit, things that we use now, um, there was no recruitment technology. It was just job boards or your database. Working in a startup, the database was pretty non-existent. Um, so when I had... The, the first Python Django developer role that I worked on was 2008, um, a client was like, John, we need two or three contractors, do you know any Python Django engineers? And very openly said, no, I don't. Um, but if you need the help, I can, you know, you can let me work this job. I will park up all the other roles I'm looking at and go out of my way to find them. So I you know, thought, okay, I could do this. Went away, and I could, the, the job boards, there was nobody using Python and Django, August 2008. Um, so I was like, well, where do I go for this? And so I started, one of the first people I spoke to, I think, was um, Nick Tolliver. Oh, yeah, um, previous guest. Yeah, previous guest, yeah. And I and he, one of the conversations he we had was, he's like, We're, I'm involved in a meetup group. Have you thought about coming along to learn some Python yourself? Yeah. Um, was that the, the Code Dojo? Yeah, because we spoke about that as well. The, yeah, um, and so that was presented to me. I thought, well, actually, if there's a room full of Python engineers, some of them will be Django, and some of them will be up interested in taking on a contract role at, at my client. Um, and so that sort of got piqued my interest. And then because 
the more people I was speaking to, I was finding out more of this like Python community, um, Django community more specifically. I found pages online. Some of these don't work anymore, but it was like um, uh, part of the Django project, which was called uh, Django People, which was a um, location-based sort of pin drop yourself and make yourself aware to other Python or Django enthusiasts in the area. All right. And then through that, it'd be like, right, well, this is this is somebody's own personal website, or this is a link to their Twitter account, and that took me down the rabbit hole of Twitter and following people on there, and it, it, just by thinking, right, I can't just look on a job board and call mm. people and try and convince them. I've got to go find another way. I uncovered meetups. I uncovered these other social sites. I found out what Twitter was and started using that. Um, now I use it just to complain about how poorly Reading Football Club play, um, <laughs> but I still keep it in with the. The, like the Python community there um, I don't share my wordles on it but as a dyslexic I'm quite proud of how I do uh, <laughs> um, the, so yeah so I went about this whole completely different way of doing it yeah um, uh, and I guess like for me finding guests for the podcast as well it's a similar sort of process of perhaps mm-hmm. need to be a bit creative in yeah. how to find people sometimes uh, but um Oh, so because you, you were talking about uh, like two thousand and eight, like yeah. being the time that you started. Um, so, and some of the differences you were talking about, like the majority of the tools that we use nowadays are completely different. Yeah. Like, uh, what other like major changes? Um, did you see? I suppose it's it's also with the influx of remote working. What I was trying to do back in two thousand eight was not only find within the UK contractors working with Python and Django um, who were available, who'd work at the day rates that we had from the client, but also were willing to go and work in Norwich. Um, and that was my main like draw to it. So actually I had to, I couldn't pull up a radius search of Norwich and find the 20 best Django developers around Norwich because there were probably not very many. Um, so my radius basically became speaking to everybody across the UK and finding out those who had a lifestyle as a contractor where they would go and stay for you know during the week and then commute home at weekends. But now the big difference is that everybody's working remotely. So any engineer anywhere in the country can pretty much take a job with any company anywhere in the country. So that talent pool is massive. Mm. And um, is it even like going abroad as well? Yeah, but, I mean, it's, again, when you start employing from overseas, that you, you've got to make sure that the, um, the employment laws have been um, adhered to and that the tax is being paid in the right places. Um, and yeah, that's, that's uh, it's, it's a hurdle that has come about, um, but you have, to, you, know, you have to always adapt in you know, whether you're hiring looking for work, working as a recruiter in between, um, mm. and help make sure you're giving people the right advice. Is it, it like important to you know, portray the job in the best possible light, and it's kind of like, what is it like, about the job that makes it uh, appealing to people in your experience? Yeah, I suppose the, yeah, you've got the, the, the job itself, but also the company yeah. that they're going to be working for. But equally, as important as those, is the, the team and the culture of the team that you're joining. Um, you can be a, a small 
tech startup where everybody is hands-on as in, in development world with f- a few commercial people or a, a 10, 12, 15, 20 person development team within a much bigger organisation. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the key is to, to find out the, what the culture of the team is, the sort of person that would get on well there or the sort of person that has previously done well there. Um, and then when speaking to job seekers, it's not just can you can you write X code in X language with this framework? Do you, are you looking for work in this salary range? It's, it's actually finding out what's driving that person to leave their job mm-hmm. um, or to look for change and to so then to work with them to say actually you're looking for X, Y, and Z. This company offers two of the three, and I think you'd really like the the team because you know, I've. Uh, I've worked with an engineering manager before, or uh, some, sometimes it's uh, I've been recruiting in this space f- since two thousand and eight. It's invariably it's, I've actually worked with this, the engineering manager as a contractor, as a I've placed them in the job before. I've seen them develop a career. I've met them at this event, at that event, and um, I know them as a person. And you, from what we I know of you, the conversations we've had, you get on really well in this environment. Yeah. Um, is that sort of like mostly like more senior developers that it's they have that freedom a bit more to choose, whereas uh, or is it does it kind of especially there's so much demand these days? Is, is that kind of there is a lot of demand for engineers? Yeah, um, I think it's it's abundantly clear at the moment that there is a um, there's probably more jobs than there are active candidates. Yeah, um, but I think any candidate going into the into into a job search needs to work out before you know when they're starting the search what it is that they want. Mm-hmm. Is it just a job that they can put on their CV for a year? Is it the first rung of a career? Are they going to get exposure to senior engineers to learn from, um, or are they going to be in a gra- you know in a, in a grad pool of a group of new engineers? Um, how yeah? You know, how what's going to benefit them? And actually, there is enough choice out there. You might just have to look a bit, bit mm. further and a little bit off piece to find it. Yeah. Um, uh, and like on the topic of uh, more junior developers as mm. well, um, I guess yeah, because there, I think there are a lot of applications for the entry level roles. Mm. Uh, so how? Is there any like advice? Do you do you ever recruit for the those sort of roles? And um, do you have any advice? I, I do. I, I do help companies with sort of the more so the, the second job. So as opposed to the first one, mm. um, I think so. To help somebody who's completed the grad scheme to find their their next job, or somebody who's done a year of experience to find their their next job where they've got a tangible. Um, experience, yeah. Um, because I'm not technical, so I don't know necessarily what experience somebody's got who hasn't done the job before. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very so. I find it difficult to work anything lower. Mm-hmm. Um, equally, from a commercial perspective, I'm pay. I, I'm able to charge a fee for a successful placement. Um, and there's only so many hours in the day, and only so many roles I can take on. So actually, I. I spend my time more in like the the mid to senior engineer level, mm-hmm. um, where yeah, effectively 
the the income is going to be like greater. Yeah. Um, what on the flip side, not not just because of that. So a couple of weeks ago, I was chatting to a, an engineering manager that I place or help help secure a job for last year. Um, in his new company, they were looking for a an engineer, entry level engineer, um, and rather you know it's like. A, I do have people apply to my jobs who, who are looking at that role and actually it's like, look, it helps you out. You haven't really got the budget to pay a recruitment fee. These people need a leg up. Let me make a couple of introductions for you. No fee, no charge. Just look, it helps you out. It helps them out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, it's, it's going back to that customer service, like looking after somebody who's got a need that I can't necessarily help but point them in the right direction. Yeah. Um, like, what are some of the jobs at the moment then that can you... Are you able to say much about? Yeah, I could, I could talk about jobs all, all day and the companies that I'm working for um, yeah. or representing. Um, I think right now there's there's enough. If a, if a if a senior level person was looking for a role, yeah, and I'm talking senior sort of four or five years experience um, upwards. You know, there's you could go onto LinkedIn, put yourself open to opportunities, and you'll be bombarded with. Applications and recruiter, you know, requesting to join, you know, to connect to your network. My advice would be just find somebody you know and trust to yeah. help you with your search. Yeah. Speak to a, a colleague or a connection you've got who's moved jobs recently. Find out the companies they met that they didn't join. Um, is there any there that they think would suit you? And try and you know, try and reach out and have that like human interaction with people about a job search. If you are in a position where you don't, you know. Where you're, you're not concerned about your employer finding out. Mm. Um, and oh, so, how? I guess like coming back to the the question of like advice again. Like, mm. is there any uh, major stumbling block that you see over and over again? And this is like, regardless of the level that you're recruiting for. Like, what? Um, what goes wrong in a job search? Yeah, yeah. And um, what, what do people generally? What's a big, uh, a common, a common, a common thing that comes up? And if if you spend any time on LinkedIn and you 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 follow any recruiters, I'm sh- I can almost guarantee you that there'll be comments somewhere along the way about counter offers. Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing that I suppose and the advice I give when I'm talking to a, a potential job seeker or a candidate for the first time. I would always talk to them about what are the actual reasons you're leaving your employer. Why have you decided now is the time to move on? Yeah. And is there anything that your current employer could offer you mm. that would entice you to stay after you actually resign? Mm. Um, to make sure that actually if you're going to invest time in a job search, that you're you're doing it because it's what you want to do. It's not what you. It's not necessity because something's wrong with your, your employer. And if they change that one thing. You would stay, yeah. And actually, in those situations, I always give advice of actually go back and have that conversation to with your employer and see if they can fix what's wrong. And if yeah. they can't, then actually, there with confidence, you there are jobs out there where people can move. Um, yeah. And is that one of the more frustrating parts of the recruiter job? Is losing uh, to counter offer? Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, it's, it comes down to understanding. Um, understanding the needs of the person. Um, uh, last year, uh, I'll give an example without giving any 
um, details out. Uh, placed, uh, I've helped a candidate with a job search. Mm. Um, the offer came, really happy with the offer. Um, great company, good offer as well. And it ticked every box from the, the initial conversation we had. So it was a no-brainer, offer accepted. And then when the um, time came to resign, the current employer turned around and said, please give us a week to come up with something. They turned around a week later and were like, here is a new role in a team which is offering you the three things that you told us that you're leaving for, Yeah. Um, with a bump up on your pay above the offer that had come in. Um, but this was with a financial services organisation, a, a bank where they require certain rules and regulations to be adhered to, where it's like, can, you need to be in the office X number of days a week. Um, the candidate had been saving up their annual leave for the whole year to travel back into Europe to go and visit family over Christmas and actually spend an extended break there. When I understood this, it was going back and having another conversation and saying, look, let's have a, let's have a coffee with you and the, uh, the engineering team or the manager of the team that you're going to be joining to discuss about how they work. And actually, one of the perks that these, this company offered was you can work anywhere within a two, three hour time zone of the UK. Yeah. yeah you could be fully remote if you want. Mm-hmm. So instead of having to save up every day about your leave to go and visit family, just book a flight, take your laptop and go and spend time there for a month working from home, from your actual home. Yeah. Um, and in the end, it became a, a no-brainer. There was no reason not to take the new job because actually it offered, even financially, it offered far more with that ability to go and move. Mm-hmm. And that's where the understanding of someone's motivations and like right at the very beginning will help. Mm. And sort of in the time that you've been recruiting, has it become a lot more common to these sort of, the, the perks, you know, that um, were they, was it working in tech was more like working in more like traditional settings back in 2008 maybe, and it's especially... Yeah, remote working work was pretty much unheard of. Um, and... Um, and I also think about uh, the like unlimited holiday, that's quite a common one. And uh, Yeah, I suppose it's, uh, it's a great perk to write on a, on a job spec. Mm-hmm. Um, and I th- I'm sure companies are doing it well. But there's also the other side of it, and I know people in my industry who have this perk, mm. um, who are made to feel guilty for taking time off. Yeah. Oh, you, you you want to take a week off, and you've you've not delivered on this project, or you're not you're behind your target for the quarter. Do you really think you should be taking two weeks off? Yeah. Um, and it's it's great in principle, but I think that actually, again, going back to the previous question if the, the job and the company and the team are all doing the right thing, that's more important than, okay, I can maybe take 40 days holiday rather than 30, or 35, I could just you know, I could spend a couple of weekends. Yeah. It's gotta be right for the right company, the right person, but if the job is what you want, that's probably gonna be a better fit. Yeah. And sort of on the theme of what's changed as well is like, um, how the Python and Django community has changed from yeah. 2008 because I think it's just continued that whole period since 2008 yeah. it's just 
uh, been growing and growing and growing? Yeah, I, I can't. I, I've, I've been lucky enough that I've been involved in a lot of, you know, in that journey of you know, talking 14, nearly 15 years. Um, and the community uh, you, you see growing and more events happening. And I, years ago, um, made the decision not to focus on this software engineering world, you know, contractors, software engineers across the, U, the South UK, to just focus purely on helping Python and Django developers to, to find work in effectively London. And I, being you know, competitive a little bit, is in recruitment in, in the industry, you, t- you hear the term of who's a top builder, who's the best salesperson in your business, who makes the most money, mm-hmm. which internally is how a lot of um, reward is given or like pecking order, that sort of, you know, um, environment and I consciously didn't want to worry about being top in the office or getting promotions and that sort of thing I wanted to make sure that in the Django community in London which was what I was the area I was working was that I was the person who was introduced to the most you know to, to clients to candidates and that the people that I help have a good experience and want to introduce me to more people mm-hmm. and for me to become a true specialist in this area it was to make sure that you know my goal was to meet and get to know people on a human level as opposed to just you're a job seeker you're a company with a vacancy that will make me money and put me ahead of that guy over there in yeah. the office yeah. um, it was to make sure that when somebody was going to have one of these life-changing events, which is a job job change, that they would reach out to me for that support and help. Mm. And that's part of why I've, um, in the last six months, set up my own business, because that's what I want to go, want to just continue with, is that ethos of being the, I, I don't even know if I am the go-to, but after 14, 15 years, a lot of companies or people will reach out to me for help and advice, yeah. who recognize my name because of the longevity. Are introduced through a good ex- because I've had a good experience. That yeah, hopefully it speaks enough. Yeah, um, and I mean it would be good to talk just like briefly about the the company that you started and like just how it's going so far and like when did you start and so I first day of trading was the first of October last year. Yeah. Um, obviously, talking obviously we know we've been in a, in the pandemic and actually because of that opportunities have presented themselves that it is a really busy time and a good time to be to be looking there are a lot of people who are looking for help who have been given us or promised a service that's not being delivered on um, and from my perspective it's like if I don't do it now I've got a milestone birthday coming up this year um, and if I don't do it now then I, I won't actually be able to see um, myself like running a company, yeah. um, which is something I've always effectively wanted to do, but never had the right timing, the right position mm-hmm. with family and everything. It's a good time now to go for it. Um, and then, so I, I started on the 1st of October, um, and within the first month, I had a couple of long-term connections reach out to me um, through LinkedIn to congratulate me on setting up the, the business. Um, and to ask if I was able to help them with hiring of their 
their problem roles in the yeah. Python and Django world. Um, and that's they 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 you know they worked out, and then from there other people have got in touch, and some of the relationships have developed and built over the, over more recent times as well. Um, so yeah, it's going going well. Um, who knows what the future holds? I just want to get through the, the first twelve months before really yeah. committing on that. Um, but yeah, I'd like to be able to get back to doing some of the the other community bit things that I've been involved in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is it sort of like uh, have there any quite like unexpected challenges come up since you've you started? Um, yeah, managing childcare. Now I don't actually have annual leave. Yeah, um, yeah. So I don't have like a certain number of days of annual leave, and yeah. with, and that's um, the same as what we were just saying. You know, if you don't yeah. have set holiday, then so actually, not to so, so it was half term last week. My daughter who's in, um, in in primary school was off all week. She was off the Friday before, and she was off yesterday, which was Monday, as well as the week in the middle, and uh, we made the mistake of not booking them into the, like, the holiday club so suddenly it's like well we've got seven working days where both myself and my wife work both work from home yeah. and we've got a five year old who wants constant attention so yeah that's a, a challenge but the same I should probably get better at it and write it down into my calendar now for the whole rest of the school year for the next two or three years um, is managing these school holidays um, I had to take a load of time off over Christmas but that's good because it's a natural break um and actually spending time with uh, the children, it helps me to like reflect and realise why I'm doing what I'm doing. And yeah. working in the in the recruitment world is, is the vehicle that gives my family what I want to provide for them. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, I think I also saw something about that reason, because people worry yeah. about starting a family when they haven't established their career. So yeah. it's almost the opposite that <laughs> it's... Uh, I so I started in recruitment in the February of two thousand and eighteen, uh, two thousand eight, and my son was born in January the following year, um, and I sort of often joke or spoke, you know, speak to colleagues in in time. It's like, well, what are your motivators? What is your your reason to 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 come in and, and opt to do a recruitment job, which is very difficult, as opposed to another better paid sales job and you know, on salary and that sort of thing. Um, and quite often it's people like I, my, my girlfriend is pregnant. My, you know, I need to buy. Uh, I want to buy a property for us. So I need to hit these milestones. Yeah. And actually using recruitment as the vehicle, people can achieve their 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 personal goals um, mm-hmm. and help people out along the way. Um, yeah. Very right. cool. And I mean. Just on helping people out along the way, is that also another like highlight of the job? I guess you get to be, be with people when they have uh, these like pivotal moments in their lives. So. Yeah, so I'll go back to it's, it's great to see people through their career. So, again, like oh, helping yeah, somebody with their first back. job, yeah. coming back. Like, there's a couple of people actually who I placed into their first contract roles maybe 10, 12 years ago, having done two or three years as a permanent engineer wanting to go contracting, I've helped them out and that's put them on a journey. Now they've gone back full cycle, maybe running engineering teams or as a senior developer within a team and actually they remember those instances where it's like, oh yeah, actually John was the person who got me my first contract, congratulations, yeah, thanks so much. And that's that sort of thing feels really good. Um, there's, there's one, go back to the reference to, I was helping recruit people into, into Norwich, um, 
I've as a favourite to the client, I help them also find a, a graphic designer or a web designer. Um, turned out that it was a the brother of a colleague in the office was a graphic a web designer um, who's also a friend of mine who were there on the same university course yeah. got recommended to me to fill this job. It was a six month contract, so he just packed his bags and went off to Norwich. While he was there, met his then girlfriend, now wife, now they've got children. Um, and it's it's like, actually, if that phone call hadn't happened, what would that guy be doing? What, yeah. I'm not saying that it's, it's completely down to me. I'm sure there's other stars that had to align as well. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, you have those impacts where you move somebody around the country. Yeah. And yeah, they're, they're, they have life-changing experiences themselves. Um, yeah. Something I do want to ask about is like these new recruiting platforms okay, yeah. um, that are coming out. Like uh, I know Otter's been uh, doing marketing, a big yeah. marketing drive, and they're all around London at the moment. And there's also things like Hacker Job, and are these sort of the main rivals for the company that you've started now, the recruitment company? Um, I think there's always a place for it. Yeah, um, or so it's almost like complementary, or they're I, just separate things. So again, I think I, I've never, when I'm working with a company, um, I've never tell them to pull their rough birds down up other places. Uh, a, a lot of the recruitment that I, you know, that I work on is on a what's typically a con, called a contingency basis. So if I'm successful in finding a candidate, then I get to, to invoice for a fee. Um, if, I'm, if they find somebody through their own methods, then actually the work I've done is, it, it, it hasn't cost them anything. Yeah. Um, but I'd always make sure that, I want companies to have explored those routes, to, you know, to have adverts that are working, to see um, you know, the number of responses they maybe get to an advert of people that they need to go back to who aren't relevant at all, um, or that, don't have the skills or aren't in the location. It's like you, there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes that you don't hear a recruiter talking about, or that actually shows the value that you know, somebody in this industry can have. I, um, I think there's there's so many places people can can post on. I'd always anybody I'm speaking to is like struggling with a role. I say, have you posted it onto the Python job board, Python.org slash jobs? Have you posted it on there? Have you put it into the Django specific job boards, um, which I think there's actually space for one to be built specifically for Django in the UK. Um, anyway, um, that's a side project I've got in the, on my eye on. Um, I think there's you know using LinkedIn, advertising through those. I think you've got to go out there because it's not only um, you know, as a as an employer, you've got to get your, your employer brand out in front of the public and yeah. one of the things we said earlier is like when somebody's having a doing a job search they are collecting information about multiple companies and then if they're friends um, also they embark on a job search you might ask somebody like what advice yeah what companies did you meet where you enjoyed the experience but you didn't take a job mm. and actually um, you know you want somebody, even if they choose not to work for you, or if you choose not to hire them, during the process, you want to treat everybody as if it was what it would be like to work for you, mm. so that when you 
um, when they talk to their friends or their colleagues, you're the company that stands out as the one that got away that somebody would like to work for. That would ruin. And that's what um, a lot of companies forget. Yeah, um, and I would say, like from personal experience as well, that there is a big variation in the experience of a candidate. Um, yeah, so you've, you've recently gone through sort of a job search into the engineering world as well. Yeah, yeah. A lot of places, it's like just firing a CV off into the void, whereas mm. um, other places are very good at giving you sort of like detailed feedback and putting in that little bit of extra yeah. time. So probably I, I might, that's like an investment maybe. It's similar for, for, for me. I have, I, have, I have clients who you have to upload something onto a portal and wait for somebody to read the profile, the CV, the application, and come back to me for feedback. And it, it takes time. Um, and in a, in a space now where time is a bit of the essence in terms of like trying to help you know, identify a job seeker and placing them while they're interested and available. Yeah. Um, there's companies where it's a small, small business and I'm working directly with the founder and they're really hot on feedback but short on time so it's making sure that actually it, it, it's a good process and I can take a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of the organising of things and booking of calls and sending of information around um, it's you've got to make sure that even and as a hiring company that not only are you having a good employer brand but you're also treating your partners well mm. and that doesn't come down to like the fees that you're paying them or the terms that you've got that obviously helps for them to, people to prioritise working with you. But if you're gonna if you're gonna m- make a process really easy, then you're you know that's that that means I I can dedicate more time to working on your job and finding you better people because I know you're serious about hiring. Um, if there's a lot of hurdles and too much to and fro in and slowing things down and checking this calendar and looking in this diary and I will come back to you with some times tomorrow and like. There's, there's, there's quick ways to do it and then mm. there's there's ways which just get in, in the way. Um, do you think like companies generally spend enough time and effort like thinking about recruitment or I think they probably spent too long thinking about it really? um, yeah I think so that's kind of the opposite um, of what I was expecting yeah I th- it, it can be over complicated yeah um, and uh, I'm I'm not saying that what I do is perfect I know mm. I, I probably you know as a one person on my own, I don't have necessarily the reach of a big database because I've been going for five months. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got my connections on LinkedIn, I've got my network of people that I've known for years. Um, so I will be able to find and identify good people and have people recommended to me. Companies don't necessarily do um, enough of the, they, they're probably doing too much, like oh, you know, too many people reviewing a CV too many people involved in the final interview and if you add up all of those hours actually yes it's important to make the hire right but if you can strip the process back and take a bit more or give a bit more of the process out to a partner to own it you, you will find you'll get a bit more time back I would happily say that I present fewer but stronger candidates to every job I work than lots of people who takes time to feedback on them and be rejected yeah. um, not always uh, every client will probably have a different experience and some people go I've worked with John in the past and you know, he's having rubbish people uh, but others are like I only want to work with John um, 
it's real it's just time and place yeah. oh I mean one other topic I mean is sort of just like um, the advantages of being like so specialized into Python and Django because I know we spoke about this how did you get involved in this path and like what um, or I guess my main question is sort of what uh, what are the sort of advantages of uh, being so specialized as a recruiter um, it's I suppose that to be you know the jack of all trades master of none yeah it's the other way around I, I want to be the master of one trade and the jack of none I don't know if that's the same <laughs> um, but I would much rather be known within the Python community as the person to go to if you need advice around hiring Python engineers or you're a Python engineer looking for work mm. as opposed to oh I know John he recruits anybody doing anything anywhere um, once I had somebody on the phone in an when I was working in an agency say to a client if you need me to find you half man half turtle who'll work 24 hours a day I will you just gotta you just gotta give me give me a chance as I, I'd much rather go and say no to people that no I can't help you with this job like right now I said I'm in month five and the obvious thing to do would be I've got a client who I'm helping and they are looking for Python engineers but they're also looking for front end engineers mm. or they're looking for um, QA testers or they're looking for a Java engineer as well mm. and actually the easy thing to be to say was would be yeah I'll look at those jobs for you and actually I say no. I would say I would rather, while you know, stick to what I know, what mm. I know well, and I can confidently introduce you good people. Um, I will send you people who you know, and I have rather have a better hit rate, and you'd be happy with me doing this than take saying yes to helping you there, and letting you down. Mm. Um, so unusually, I say no to a lot of um, requests to work jobs. Yeah, to stay at what I'm good at. Yeah. Um, uh, how is it you sort of like identify then within like your network and your contacts like who um, who, who the, it, the, the strongest there's no, are there's right? no real science to it unfortunately um, I I don't know why I've got a pretty good like memory for names and companies and that sort of thing yeah. um, coupled with uh, my LinkedIn which I use and pretty much everybody I meet or connect with I either follow on Twitter or connect to on LinkedIn um, just as a point of reference but I will invariably recognise names of people who I've met at some event somewhere in the time um, or recognise the name of a company who I know hire have a really high bar for engineers or somebody who works for a company who's done a talk at one of the events I've been at um, yeah. and go I remember somebody from that company talking about this project they were working on, so I know that that is a good company who are interesting developers. Mm -hmm. There's a high bar of entry to get into that team, so if somebody's in that team and looking to move on, mm -hmm. then I should probably talk to them and yeah. confidently introduce them to a client. Equally, if somebody I don't know comes up, I'll very, most of the time be able to find a link somewhere somebody that they worked with a colleague or somebody where I can gain confidence that they know mm. they are a strong engineer 
and that they know that I know what I'm talking about as well and it's a, it's a relationship that should follow through and if, if there isn't a connection it's fairly easy to find one and to take a reference which we have to do it in, you know, invariably off a stage anyway um, so most people are either within my network know somebody I know just as uh, we're getting close to the end like one like one last good topic would be the juggle yeah uh, so that stands for Django User Group London Okay, um, yeah. and DJUGM. Yeah, and could you like describe your involvement? So again, I, it was through wanting to learn more and to meet more people. Is that I saw, whether it was through recommendation or just that through people on Twitter talking about I'm going to this event. I found out that there was a month of nearly monthly, sometimes quarterly event for Django developers in London. So I started attending. Um, and on one occasion, just the day of the event or the day before, the sponsor dropped out. And so there was a call for help. Can anyone sponsor the event? You know, we're we're very you know, we're gonna be a room full of thirsty and hungry piping engineers. Um, can anyone buy some beer and some pizzas? I was like, oh, I'll do it. Yeah. So I checked with the the company I was working with and yeah, it was like, yeah, fine, we're gonna go up there, let's yeah, we'll, we'll buy the room, the, the food and drinks. Um, and then that worked. So I was actually you know, apologising for my presence as the recruiter in the room, but very sorry, here's some pizza a bit. Um, <laughs> and that, I can carry on doing that every time. The, the chap who's organised it, we just reach out, John, we're organising another one, are you going to be good to do the pizza and beers again? Thanks so much for helping us, it's really valuable. Yes, and then the next time it was, we just had a speaker drop out. Does anybody know of anybody who wants to do a talk? I've seen it. In my job, day in, day out, I'm talking to Python engineers. So, who are working on interesting projects, whether it be for work or in their own time. Mm. So I was like, let me just make a couple of calls. Found somebody who was working on something, who's happy to talk two days time. Yeah. Found a fit speaker. The next time the, the event's happening, I've spoken to other people I think would be interest, make interesting talks. So I've recommended them to the organizer. Yeah. And, and it, it sort of spiraled from there and then eventually the, there was a oh we've been let down by a venue I've been in you know, five ten offices in the last month two of them look, look like they'd be really good host like, big breakout areas to host an event let me ask them if they'd be up for it yeah and therefore over a period of time I was finding the venues finding a, some if not all of the speakers and yeah, so really taking over. Almost. Just just through wanting to help and you know help having a solution to a problem. Yeah. Um, and then one of the the last sort of remaining guy who was involved in the actually running the event right side page or whatever it was took a job and wasn't going to be in London anymore. So it's like John, do you want to just run it all? So I became the custodian. I, yeah. I found it. I wasn't. It wasn't my event. It wasn't my meetup. Um, I was just looking after it for the Django community. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's, you know, the pandemic and the, the, the ceasing of events and me changing jobs a couple of times and like needing to get back into it. It would mm-hmm. you know, be great to, you know, this year, maybe to have some sort of return event. Um, yeah. There's a really good London Django meetup that happens pretty much every month at the moment online purely online they've got attendees from all over Europe um, probably further afield um, which services the monthly need but Juggle 
was special to me because it's sort of what I was involved in the whole time. Yeah. Um, we had a brilliant 10th anniversary meetup where I invited back speakers from the first juggle event I'd gone to. Um, somebody who'd spoken at several across the years. We had various updates, and yeah, it's always always good fun. Yeah. Um, and sort of, I guess you've been to like a fair few talks then. Like yeah. What? Uh, uh, you know, not coming from an engineering background, like, are they still interesting and enjoyable? They are, yeah, they are. Um, I don't understand a lot of the actual the detail, but it's really nice when I'm sitting there, think, you know, listening, mm. and I hear a phrase that I've seen on a job spec or I've heard someone talk about in a in an interview, and yeah. I, I'm like, oh, okay, let me see if I can find out a bit more about this. Um, what I again, it was I I, I find people who we're talking about interesting things and my I liked the nights where we ran lightning talks because mm. the, the the talks would be five minutes categorically yeah you have to get to the essence like yeah deliver it quickly um, yeah. so if it was too technical I didn't get lost if it was yeah. really engaging I'm not, okay I followed that yeah um, and the probably my favourite event was we did a night of um, muck ups or similar sounding phrase of muck up event um, where people just came on and talked for 10-15 minutes about projects that had gone wrong yeah. and what they learned from it yeah. um, and how we um, yeah and that was those events everybody in the room has had projects gone wrong um, everybody's there and like you're not worried of, you know it's not about oh we've done Showing this, off this the, great yeah, project yeah. this is a tool we've developed for the you know it's yeah you it's probably wrong. Yeah, just as much to learn. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, to a point where some of them like a car, a car got set on fire, or like there's some great stories and how you someone's yeah. on a train in Wales and without coverage on their phone and they the whole data center's gone pop and they're the only person who can reset it. It's, yeah, some yeah. great stories and um, those sort of things were, um, yeah, that's why you go to those and then suddenly you'd find actually going to the pub afterwards. There's a lot more people there because they've all got stories of their own to tell. Yeah, um, yeah that's cool. It's great fun.